An effective online presence is a critical part of your shop's growth and profitability, which is why it only makes sense to use the company that many top performing repair shops use, Leads Near Me. Leads Near Me blows up your phones with a strategic combination of killer websites, high converting Google ads, traffic driving social media posts, and more. Reach them by text or call 888-953-2379 or visit them online at leadsnearme.com. Leads Near Me, effortlessly increase car count. Conversations that are inspiring and educational for leaders in the automotive industry. This is Near Me Radio. Now, here's your host, Ryan Burton. Welcome to Near Me Radio, a podcast for automotive professionals. I'm your host, Ryan Burton. Near Me Radio is sponsored by Leads Near Me, APEC ATI, and the High Gear Marketing Conference for Auto Repair Shops. Today, we have the pleasure of speaking with Chris Jones, editor of Ratchet & Wrench Magazine. Chris is responsible for editing the magazine, hosting the Ratchet & Wrench Radio podcast, managing Ratchet & Wrench social media, building the editorial schedule, he is also the All-Star Nominations host and conference organizer. That's a lot of work. Before joining Ratchet & Wrench, Chris worked as an independent freelance magazine editor. Although he had no prior background in auto repair, he's learned a lot about the automotive industry in his role at Ratchet & Wrench, and I can actually relate to that as well, too. In his free time, he enjoys personal development, working out, retro gaming, playing Switch with his sons, and outdoor activities. So please help me give a huge Near Me Radio welcome to Chris Jones. Chris, how you doing? I'm doing great. It's uh, great to be here, Ryan. Thank you very much for taking time out of your schedule, your very busy schedule, to be on our show and be on our podcast. So it's great to have you. And I'm going to start by telling you this, okay? Yeah. I, you know, we don't know each other super well, so you don't know this about me, but I typically don't like suck up to people or do that kind of thing. But I'm going to tell you something. Look, I think you're a big deal, okay? Ratchet & Wrench is a leading publication in auto repair. And you're the editor. So, I mean, look, you're a big deal. Having you on the show, I'm very excited about it today and uh, very pumped to have you here. So thank you for doing that for me. Oh, yeah. It's a pleasure to be here with you today, Ryan. Cool. And I, what I want to start talking about, actually, is let's talk about your role. I mean, you're the editor of the magazine. And I envision you at a big boardroom table, people all around. <laughs> you know, they're seeing you at the front there and you're you're putting these pieces of paper together and deciding what looks good and what happens. And I envision, you know, this for this magazine. So tell me a little bit about what does the editor really do at a magazine? What do you really do over there at Ratchet & Wrench from an editorial point of view? So what the editor does is the editor identifies stories that would be interesting to the market, you know? So we develop an editorial calendar, which we start in the back half of the year and we develop it for the entire year. So we have the entire year pretty much fleshed out um, to a degree, and then as you go through month to month, we really tighten up. But uh, each month I go in with an idea of what I'm going to be working on. And then from there, we look to assign the stories. We work with uh, various freelance writers to work with us on our storytelling. Uh, then from there, it's about building the magazine out, making sure the magazine is aesthetically pleasing, the art looks good, the art tells the story. Because, uh, you know, of course, that's very important that, you know, you can't have a great story with bad art. So we will make sure the art is very good, it's engaging, and it goes well with the story. We decide on, you know, who our cover is going to be, and then we work with that, develop the cover, and then off it goes. 
So in a nutshell, I mean, it sounds really sim- oversimplistic, but, you know, from start to finish, you know, we're, like I said, we're writing stories, we're editing stories, we're moving stories into production, and then we're putting a magazine together. Nice. And and I've got a copy of the magazine here. Let me, yeah. Let me see how many pages. I mean, it's got like 74 pages in, in this is last year's all-star oh, yeah. issue, of course, with John Kerr on it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so 74 pages. So, I mean, you, that's a lot of pages, right? We've got ads in there. We've got a lot of information. So how do you determine, you know, what, what's going in? I mean, you said you make, you know, you build the editorial calendar, I think was the term you right. used. So, I mean, how do you pick who's going in here? How do you do that? It's just kind of, you go out and you, you have these conversations with people or is there a team of people? How do you pick what's going? There's a lot of issues. I mean, there's one every month. I mean, this is, I'm very there stressed is. out for you, man. I'm stressed there out. There is, there is. So basically I start by just looking at, you know, what my themes are for the month. So of course, you know, we've got our departments. We have a, a, a main feature. We've got a profile. We've got kind of a breakdown, which is a newsy type feature, um, a shop view, which shows the inside of a shop and gives you the inner workings of a particular shop. Of the adapt story and then of course we got like our toolbox pieces which are very strategic uh, and then of course we have our two columnists joe marconi and aaron stokes so what i typically do in terms of approaching that is i look at the subject matter kind of flesh out what the story should be about so i take a legal pad essentially uh i, I kind of can show you the process well i take a legal pad and we're putting I'll, together a mag we're yeah, doing it right we're now putting Let's it together Let's so, do it. So, so this is for the June magazine, right? So this is my June feature. So what I typically do is I write a declaration. Okay, what is the story about? What do I want the story to, you know, to reflect? Then I look at the so what. Why should people care about this story? And I write down why I think people should care about the story. And if I can't come up with something, then, then there's something wrong with the actual story. And I've got to figure out a different angle for it. So I, so I go from there to there. And then I basically build out what the layout's like, right? How I want to structure the story. And so I tip, I do that for all the stories, and then I assign the story to an uh, to a writer. And so I said, I tell a writer, here's what our story's about. Here's what we're trying to get at, and then I vet sources. And so typically, what I do when I vet sources, either it's a it's a relationship that I built from a conference, um, or I'll check in with shop owners and see who they know. I check in with shop coaches to see who they know. Um, I look online for people who are moving and shaking because I'm on Instagram and, and LinkedIn quite a bit looking at shops and just kind of observing what people are posting, seeing who's got some interesting stuff going on or what personalities I think are very engaging. Cause you know, in magazines, when you're doing an interview, you want someone who has a very engaging personality who can just talk. You never want to pull the words out of somebody. So you look for a very talkative, extroverted sources. And then um, once I figure out, you know, who's got the best sources and the best stories for me, then we start to write the stories based on that. So we assign those stories, some stories I write myself and then we start to compose all of those those pieces. Very interesting. And and yeah. it, you brought up an interesting point. I think, you know, any of our shop owners, and this is a podcast for shop owners, any of them listening to this are basically like they just went to Instagram and they're like, <laughs> they're like, oh my God, I got Emily tag Chris in this thing, and they're up instead, they're talking about it. They're, or they're on Facebook now jamming up their posts, right? So that's interesting that you you're kind of observing, looking for you know interesting voices in the in the marketplace and detecting it that way. Um, is that kind of the one of the you know you meet people, you kind of look for a unique voice and unique story. Is is there other ways you do it, or is that is that a real primary way you do it? That's the primary way. Like I said, a lot of it's relational. Um, you know, me keeping up with people that I've met at conferences, just pegging, pinging them every so often, saying, "Hey, how's things going with you?" or 
particular people I meet, hey, here's my story. Like I'll talk to maybe one of the shop marketing companies and say, here's a story that I'm working on. I'm looking for this particular type of shop in this particular type of situation. Who of your clients best fits this story? And they do, and they'll help me do the legwork. You know, I figure, I mean, my, my best strategy is to enlist the experts, right? Find the people who know more than I do, get them, get their boots on the ground for me. They come back with amazing sources. Then we all win because I get the source that I want. Their client gets some publicity and it's a win-win situation. So I'm always looking for that sort of thing where we both win. You're really the architect of this thing, aren't you? I mean, you're really the quarterback. I mean, it sounds to me that you're, you're kind of the white hot center of this thing. Is that correct? Yeah, I mean, I try to take a very X's and O's kind of approach to it, you know, where I'm really thinking, you know, how like how does this like how how does this benefit everybody? Like how do how do we how does everybody get something out of this magazine? And how do you know how do we not just feature like the people that we all know and love? Of course, right? We don't fe- the people that we hear about at the conferences who are speaking, and but how do we find the other shop owners who are in these remote corners of the United States and different places who are still doing equally great work, but they're just not discovered? So we try to find all of these various types of shop owners from all around the country. So it's not just the same guys over and over. And you had uh, one of our longstanding clients, Ryan Bennett. Oh, uh, yeah. And I'm trying to hold it up so my boy can can be seen here. Yeah, that, that, was a, that was a good issue. Ryan, uh, I, I, he had some phenomenal quotes in that. <laughs> yeah, that was, was one of my first issues that I put together, maybe the second one. Oh, that that's I awesome. On. I loved it. And yeah. I didn't know. And it was funny because I didn't know he was going to be on the cover and it showed up. We get it mailed here. Yeah. Leeds near me and it showed up. And I saw it and I snapped a picture and I sent it to him and he didn't know he was on the cover. <laughs> I no, I have no part. joke. And he was like, yeah. is that, am I on the, and I'm like, I'm excited showing him. And he's like, am I on the cover? I'm like, I'm telling you you're on the cover. Anyway, he was very excited about it. And that's one that adorns the wall of my office here as well. But yeah, that's, that's always the big surprise, you know, like I never tell anybody who's on the cover. I just let it, let it pop out there and let people tell them. It, it, it creates more of a, dr- a more drama around it. Like, whoa, I'm on the, that's so cool. Well, I told him. I was the so yeah. I, see, yeah, there it I is. Was the one that told him, and he was very surprised and very excited. I got I, I yeah. know you guys sent him copies, but I got a bunch too to bring over. But so interesting. I want to. So we talk about shop owners being featured, and of course, shop owners are the ones listening to this podcast. That's who this is targeted to, and and to who to talk to about and techs and and service writers and people related to yeah. shops. So let me ask you kind of a, a sort of an interesting question related to this is. Um, you know, obviously it's neat to be on the cover of a magazine and it's neat to do all that. How does that serve the shop owner? Like if they have a big story in this magazine, obviously it's cool. Is it more of the value they deliver to other shop owners? What benefit does that shop owner get? Like, is there, can they use that in local media or what happens to them for being featured in here? Like what are the other byproducts that they, they benefit from being, you know, on the cover or even in the magazine, right? Yeah. Well, I think, you know, from just a baseline, you know, it's great to just, be recognized for your work, you know, be recognized for your work. Number one, number two, you get kind of that, you get that recognition of being someone who's an industry like expert, so to speak, like, you know, something so you're sharing something with your peers. And so now people see you as someone who knows something. So I think there's a benefit to that. And particularly if you get, if you make the cover, I think people always see the cover of a magazine as a very big deal. You know, if you're on the cover of whatever magazine, Vogue or whatever, Sports Illustrated, it's always seen as a very big deal. And that story is always given a lot more weight. So I think people look at that and say, okay, well, you know, he's on the cover of the magazine. I wonder what he has to say or what his story is all about. So it gives a lot of weight to that. And I think for the shop owner that, you know, gets into the magazine, it's just a great opportunity for them to to mentor their peers and give back and share that expertise. Because I think that's what a lot of 
shop owners that I've spoken to over the last year say that that that's a very important thing for them is to give back to the the industry by sharing their tips and advice to other people. So those of you that are reluctant to do something like that, obviously uh, <laughs> there's value. There's value. It's it's helpful, you know, to your brand, and then also it really yeah. helps other shop owners. So you yeah, should... and I think I think also for the shop owner, I think it it uh, it energizes their people as well. Like when you when when your techs or when your advisors are opening that magazine, they're seeing their shop owner very proudly in the magazine. I think I think there's some energy about that. Awesome. So you also do a podcast, a, probably a much more popular one than I do, right? You've got the Ratchet and Ranch. And by the way, I didn't know the name of yours. I didn't borrow the name radio. I'm an old radio guy, and I just stuck the word radio in it. I wasn't really wasn't copying you. It was all oh, an yeah. accident. But yours is Ratchet and Wrench Radio, right? That's what you call your right. podcast as well. Uh, tell me about that. Tell me about, um, you know, for those that haven't listened to your podcast, let's talk about it and, and get some more people listening as well, right? Yeah, so Ratchet and Wrench Radio is a weekly radio, well, weekly podcast program, um, and we interview shop owners, we interview industry experts, we interview a, a various array of people who just know things about specific topics. So we've had people who are HR on there, we've had non nonprofit shop owners, we've had marketing people on there, customer service experts, and the 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 long game for the podcast is really to do two things: one, to extend the, the the life of the magazine, right? So we're always looking to go back into some of those old stories and re-highlight some of those in the podcast because, of course, in print, you only have a certain amount of space where you can really talk to a source and really get inside their head. And my interview notes, I typically interview people for an hour or more, and I've got so many notes, but I really can't pull all that into a story. So we go back and do a great podcast episode where we can highlight all those things they spoke about that they didn't get to see in print. So it's an extending it's extending the life of the magazine. But then number two, we're looking for ways to give industry information out that you know we can't do in the magazine. So whether it's covering right to repair, whether it's covering specific marketing topics, whether it's covering uh, you know specific things that are to to a shop that we can't just get to in the issue because my editorial calendar only lends you know so much space. Nice. So I can just go to Apple Podcasts and look for Ratchet and Wrench Radio and. Boom. There's Chris, yep. right? It's there. Yeah. I mean, you know, shows about, you know, 20 to 30 minutes per show with the exception of a, my last two I, I did uh, with Jimmy Lee, who's just a wild man. I just let him talk. I'm like, we're going to talk Jimmy and have a good time. <laughs> nice. And um, I was going to say, have you had any, like, were you in radio before? Do you have any broadcast experience or this kind of you? They just said, Chris, you're the podcast guy. And you went, oh, I got, okay, <laughs> going in. <laughs> yeah, I, I've had experience. Um, prior to coming to work for Endeavor, uh, I was on. I did a radio show before for about a year. It was called Convocation Radio. Me and my friend Deshaun, uh, he's a he's a guy locally here, and him and I did a weekly radio show for almost a year. And then after that, I had my own podcast for kind of about a hundred episodes in under my belt on my own podcast. So I've had some experience on the medium. Nice. And uh, let's talk a little bit more about your background. Um, I think, do you live in the Virginia? You live in Virginia, the state of Virginia. That's where you're at. And uh, maybe just tell us a little bit about what you did before you took on this uh, super awesome big time role. Yeah. So I live in Virginia. I live in Williamsburg, Virginia, kind of the historic colonial capital there. So all the great American history that you can stand is all around me. It's kind of fun to go into grocery stores and seeing people in their full colonial costumes. But uh, nice. so that's where Put I live. Some of those pictures up on social. Yeah. Media. <laughs> so that's where I live. But um, prior to that, I I did a number of things. Um, I've 
worked for a couple of magazines. So I worked for a health magazine for uh, about three years as the editor and editor-in-chief of that magazine. Uh, freelanced for a parenting magazine for almost a decade. Um, and then worked on a spine health website for about five years. And then worked for a, as the editor of a local, like, like a city publication sort of thing. So doing a lot of business stories, profiles, special interest. So did all did all those things, and then kind of other things that I did kind of in stream with that is uh, working on the book space, like working with entrepreneurs on helping them write books. Oh, neat, man. So yeah. this is my hard-hitting question of the podcast yeah. today. This is, I'm going to get into the serious journalism now. Here. We're going to really <laughs> dial things in now here. But no, it's not so bad. But recently, the company was sold. I know it was 10 missions and then became Endeavor. And uh, um, I know that you know I just got a... A different invoice one day just showed up. I'm like, what? What's that? You know, what's going on there? So, <laughs> um, you know, so tell me about how things have changed and and um, you know the evolution of the company and and obviously it's I would imagine there's been improvements. But tell me about the changes and were you with the company as Ten Missions or did you come on as Endeavor? I mean, uh, maybe talk through some of those things for me. Sure. Yeah, I came on. I was hired on as a Ten Missions employee. I came on last February. And then uh, 10 Missions was sold to Endeavor, I believe, June 1. And so June 2, we rolled over and became Endeavor. Um, and, and it's been a good transition. I feel like you know Endeavor uh, does a great job just taking care of our, our business, taking care of you know really the integrity of our, our publishing model that we've had. They've enhanced it. Uh, they provided more opportunities for us. So uh, I feel like Endeavor as a whole has also given us just an, an incredible group of colleagues to work with, which gives us access to more resources, more sources, of course. Um, and so it, for me, and I think for, I, I can't speak for everyone, but I know for myself, it's been a, it's been a good transition. I, I enjoy working under the Endeavor umbrella because I love the colleagues that I have. And I feel like, you know, they, they really have a long, long game strategy. I think that benefits our entire vehicle group. I've been a few, a part of a few acquisitions and mergers and heck, even amalgamations. I've seen a little bit of, of it all. Um, and, uh, you know, um, when I was with Bell South, when AT&T bought Bell South and experienced mm -hmm. that transition, which I, I thought was very cool. I was like, AT&T, that's cool, man. I'll do that. Yeah. But, but uh, so for you, you started in February. You had to go in and earn the position. All of a sudden, the new guys come along. Did you have to go back in and resell yourself? <laughs> okay. Hi, new guys. I'm Because I didn't have that big a role with my transitions. Yeah. But you, you've got a, a big position. Was there a certain amount of... Uh, when they assessed everything, you had to kind of go back in and go, hi, I'm Chris. <laughs> nice to meet you. Uh, look, here's what I got going. Or was there any of that? Or were they, were they pretty cool about things when they kind of, no, no, they were, they were very cool. They were very cool and very forthright at the beginning. You know, Chris Farrell, our CEO is like, you know, no one's jobs in jeopardy. You know, we'll just continue. We just, you know, we're just rolling you guys into to the Endeavor ecosystem and we're going to keep on rocking and rolling. So they made it very easy for us to, to kind of let our guard down, so to speak. Because, you know, when you get you get acquired, you do have that job security question. You wonder how things are going to go. You wonder what's going to happen with your position or if things are going to change with that. But they were very good about it. You know, they just let us know, hey, we got it. Everything's going to be cool. Just keep doing what you're doing. How do you guys measure success with the magazine? I mean, because as I think about that, if they're going to assess you, your position and your role and decide how you're doing, um, there's a few aspects to this, right? I mean, you can have an editorial masterpiece with great mm -hmm. visuals and everything else, but it's not, say, selling as well as it needs to or, or, or returning for the advertisers. How do you guys kind of marry up that product mixed with the result? I mean, what, what are, what's some of the balance you work for there? And, and, and you know, am I making sense? You know what I'm saying? It's like you've got this yeah, editorial piece and this advertising platform. 
Yeah, I, I really can't. It's hard to speak to the ad side because I don't work on the ad side, but I, I, I would imagine that, you know, having the fuller magazine, you know, the, the, the ad ratio is, is really the, the end, you know, the end strategy there. So if the ad, the ad ratio is where it needs to be, where it's not like, you know, 35%, 25% advertising, but it's more in that, you know, 55, 60, 65%, then I feel like, you know, that's a good gauge of success for the advertising sector. It shows that, that you know there are people who are interested in buying in and believing what we're doing. On the editorial side, it's just the quality of the storytelling. Our goal, just from month to month, is to always outdo the previous month and really t tell the tell our stories better and better each time with stronger sources, more information, more in depth. And so, putting those two together, I think you know that's that's what we're looking for. Just to be able to marry just a really strong editorial with advertising that fills the rest of the book. Nice. So the Ratchet and Wrench Management Conference is happening this year, September, which is typically the time of year it happens. Uh, this year is Aurora, Colorado. Uh, talk about maybe why that choice for this year, and um, not that there's anything wrong with that lovely place. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just curious. I mean, how do you come about picking your location? You went from Minnesota to, which is where I think in um, Ten Missions was located, but Minnesota to Dallas to to Denver. I mean, hey, Atlanta, nothing. I mean, Atlanta is cool, but anyway. Um, so tell me, um, what, you know, how you came about, about these choices, how you chose there. And then also what, what can we can expect for 2023? Uh, what might be different from the past? If I'm mumbling here, sure. what's different from the past? There we go. Yeah. I can talk. <laughs> well, as far as like conference organization, I'm probably, I'm not the number one in that one. You know, I'm, I'm a part of the organizational team, but I'm not the lead organizer. So I, I, I can't speak to how we chose the location. Um, I mean, I think it's a great location because there are so many phenomenal shops out in Colorado, uh, as we both know. But uh, as far as what to expect, I feel like this year's conference, we're really, really digging our heels into trying some new things. So we're, we're trying to create like new experiences, new tracks, uh, different ways to engage with the audience. So I'm looking forward to this year's because uh, the, the goal is really to marry it all together. So you know, we have the future leaders, things like that before in the past. We're looking to bring more of that together so that those are more integrated so they feel like they're part of the shop track as well and not you know on a separate on a separate track all to themselves so we're looking to marry those a little bit better this year um this year the adapt summit will not be kind of the tail end of the summit i mean the the conference this year adapt summit will be a completely separate ordeal so it should be an easy thing for shop owners to come enjoy and really put a, all their emphasis and energy in and then go back to their shops ready to go nice Tell me about how the nominations have been going for your All-Star Awards for 2023. Uh, how do people submit? I'm sure most people know, but let's refresh their memories. Uh, and how can I rig it so leads near me clients win this thing this year? <laughs> Is there any campaigning I can do? Uh, anything to get my people in there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, I think, I believe the URL is uh, ratchetarange.com slash all-star slash award. I, I have to, I'll give that to you uh, at the end. But basically, you go in there and you just submit. You can either you can self-nominate. You can nominate somebody you know who you think deserves it and really just explain why that person deserves to be the all-star. What are their accolades? What have they done? Um, and the goal is to really bring out that shop owner who, one, has just the business acumen, who's just demonstrated that he's got the business smarts. He's done everything he can to make his shop successful, you know, over the course of time. Number two is just yeah, do you, to show the revenue, you know, do you, are you, are you making the money you say? And then three, um, 
the culture, like, you know, how is the culture? Are you training your people? Are your people excited? Are they happy? Do they love to work for you? And then, of course, the customer aspect, you know, how do your customers feel about the business, customer, and community? Are you in the community? How are you interacting with your community? So we're looking for, like, just this, this well-rounded, holistic shop owner who's that, that, that person who is, you know, the it person in terms of shops in their community. So we're self-submitting, essentially, like people self-select and put in. It's not necessarily somebody else submitting or, or what's typically right. the way you get them. You're kind of self-acknowledging. Right. So, so some shop owners self-submit and then some shop owners are nominated. Like I think last year we had gobs and gobs of like nominations for individual shop owners. So, I mean, it's nothing for a, one particular shop owner to get seven, eight, nine, ten votes from various people. So if somebody nominates somebody, obviously that mm-hmm. person gets notified and then they have to provide financials and things for to assist your process, right? Because that's a part of the – they're not just surprised later that they're nominated. You need some <laughs> other information to find out that, that they qualify for this, correct? Yeah, so simply, I mean, in a nutshell, what happens is once we get all of our – uh, our entire pool is done and we close the nominating process, then we start to review, okay, well, who are the shop owners – that we have here. And then we narrow the shop owners down to a, a select few and say, okay, we're well, here are the ones that, that really are the cream of the crop. Let's contact each one of these people who nominated them and really get more information about the shop owner. So we try to do a lot of homework on, on who the shop owner is from the perspective of the person who nominated them. And then we come, come, we'll come back to the table and say, okay, based on what's been said and what I've learned, here's, the, here's our all-star winner and these are our two runner-ups. Can anybody nominate? I mean, I, I have a marketing company. Can I nominate a shop? You, like anybody absolutely able can. to? Okay. Oh, yeah. Anybody can nominate. You don't have to be a shop owner to nominate. I mean, if you're in the industry, you can nominate whomever you wish. If you've got clients who you think fit the bill, nominate your clients. Nice. Very cool. Yeah. Um, so let's talk a little bit about you again for a second, uh, personally, because mm-hmm. again, I think you've. this is a really neat role. Um, it's it's an important role. I mean, Ratchet and Wrench magazine is a really important magazine in our industry. So um, tell me, first of all, you know, being newer to auto repair, and by the way, I, you know, don't didn't have a big auto repair background. I kind of entered into it myself and, and have learned by, uh, by being around it. Uh, tell me one of the most surprising things that you've noticed being in auto repair now, like one of the things that has been kind of eye-opening for you um, that you didn't expect. Wow, there's so much. <laughs> I think what I didn't expect was the, like the passion. Like, and it's not that I don't expect people to be passionate about their industry. You know, just working in various industries, like you know, working in the healthcare sector. You know, you see how those people respond, or working in you know, kind of the general reporting sector. You see how people respond in the community. But I didn't realize how passionate people were in the auto care industry. I mean, people love this industry. And that, that, to me, that was the big shock because like one, one of the first things that I did when I stepped into the role is I went to two conferences like within my first six weeks of working. So I was at Vision last March at the beginning of the month and at the end of the month, I was at STX in Orlando. And it's just, to me, it was just that overwhelming just passion of people who really cared about what they did. And of course, people caring about their customer because you get that negative connotation that auto repair shops don't care about their customers. They care about just the profit. And then when you hear these guys talk about how much they want to provide great customer service or a great customer experience or how much they care about the people that they serve or the communities that they live in, you get a whole different picture. And I think to me, that was the big, that was the big telling thing. 
Yeah, it's been very eye-opening for me as well. Yeah. Uh, no, let me put it, they're really good people. And um, yeah. we got to keep delivering that message for them for sure. Um, okay, so I know you're a big audiobook guy. You're a reader. Uh, tell me maybe some favorite quotes, favorite audiobooks, <laughs> things that, that uh, have been influential to you that you've enjoyed. Yeah, so some of my favorite audiobooks, let's see. So I would say um, Atomic Habits, Almost one of my one of my absolute favorite. I love Atomic Habits. Um, I like Perennial Seller by um, Ryan Holiday. That's one of my favorite ones. Um, Michael Jordan. His, he wrote this little thin book in the '90s called "I Cannot Accept Not Trying." I love that one. It's one of my favorites. Um, trying to think of another one for you. Uh, Relentless by Tim Grover. I read that one recently and just loved it cover to cover. So those are some of my some of my top favorite ones. Very good. Um, okay, so this is kind of the commercial segment for you. So if somebody's not a subscriber, and I'm guessing a shop owner can subscribe to the magazine, they get it mm -hmm. at their shop, or they cannot, and then they don't get it, right? So obviously they're subscribing or not. So why should a shop owner subscribe to the to the magazine for start? We're going to talk about other properties you have too, but why should someone subscribe to that? Why should they have that showing up in their mailbox every month? Yeah, I think um, you know our our whole tagline is uh, strategies and inspiration for auto care success. So we our our whole focus is to make the auto shop owner successful in what he does. And so the entire blueprint, the plan, the layout, the stories, everything's about how do we get you to the next level? How do we get you? How do we solve your problems or whatever your sticking points are, and then get you to the next level? So I think that's why you subscribe. You subscribe because you want a business magazine that's specific to your industry versus getting a fast company or entrepreneur, which are great magazines in their own right. But Ratchet and Wrench is the equivalent in your industry. So I think that's what I think people should subscribe for. So it's high level business advice for the auto repair business. It's fast company or entrepreneur magazine for shop owners basically it is yeah it's very very and just written in a, written in a way that's very easy to digest and take action upon and so we have the magazine we have the podcast what other um assets properties different things should people be aware of with ratchet and wrench that they can use to take advantage for their improvement and knowledge sure so outside of the conference um we've got our daily emails so we send out a daily email with news stories uh, podcast episodes so that way you're just always in the know of what's what's happening whether it's in the industry or what, whether it's coming out of ratchet and wrench uh, from the pages or from the podcast so you've done all these you know it's a year's worth now more than well about a year's worth a little well more than a year's worth of, of magazines thinking back to you know all the magazines what are some of the themes that that you've noticed or different messages or, or different recurring topics that come up in, in many of these articles with many of these shop owners? Uh, so I think it's, one, it's marketing. <laughs> I think shop owners just wanting, wanting help with marketing, wanting to understand the marketing aspect of this shop because they're, they're learning that, yes, while word of mouth is still a very strong, it's not the only way to do it. It may not be the best way to put all your eggs in one basket. So marketing is one. Uh, another one is just uh, hiring, like hiring, interviewing, employee, employment and retention. Uh, those are some themes that, that shop owners really gravitate towards. And then, of course, the, the, um, the shop view columns. People, the shop owners love looking at other people's shops. Last question. We'll wrap it up with this, okay? And it's a little outside of everything. So um, we chatted a little bit before we did this to get, you know, just a little bit of information before we did the show. And... You talked a little bit about retro gaming. 
So, so talk to me about your interest in retro gaming. Like, look, for me, retro gaming is like asteroids and Donkey Kong or something, right? (laughs) So I am dating myself a little bit, but uh, uh, tell me about what that means and, uh, and how that works. Yeah. So retro gaming is, for me, it's, it, it's a uh, it's Nintendo the eight bit Nintendo system. It's the Super Nintendo. Uh, it's the Sega Genesis. Those are my three bread and butter gaming systems that I enjoy playing the most. So I've got I've got two ways to get to them. So I've got this little small mini computer called a Raspberry Pi. I'm not sure if you've heard of it, but a Raspberry Pi is this little small thing about the size of your cell phone and about as thick as maybe three of them. And uh, it's a little computer that you just jam all your jam all your um, your games on, and you can play like even the arcade fighters that you played growing up at Aladdin's Castle. You know, I went, I spent a lot of a lot of quarters at Aladdin's Castle <laughs> as a teenager, <laughs> and so now I've got all those games at home where I can play like you know, uh, I can play Kung Fu or you know Karate Champ, or I can play Donkey Kong or some of those old classics because I've got a the gaming stick that you put in there. So. I play that quite a bit, and then of course I've got an emulator on my laptop, so I can play all the old Nintendo games. So always playing, speed running Mario Brothers, or playing Super Mario World, or playing Mike Tyson's Punch Out, Metroid. Is Donkey Kong in there at all? Donkey Kong Country is in there. Is that too retro? (laughs) How about Asteroids or or Space Invaders? Is that too retro? Is that in there at all? It's not too retro. Uh, Pitfall is my Pitfall is my Atari game. I loved Pitfall. (laughs) Pitfall and Galaga. So you and and um, you you play with your kids now too. So when you play on the Switch, the Nintendo Switch with the kids, that's mm-hmm. more current games, right? You're playing more. Of that's more current. They don't games. want retro stuff. They want to play the new. Yeah, stuff, right? my, my my daughter, she'll play some of the retro stuff. She's seven, so we'll play Bubble Bobble and some of the fun retro games like Adventure Island. She'll play some of those old Nintendo games that are really cartoonish and fun. But my boys, no, they're Xbox and Switch. So I spend a lot of time playing either Madden on the Xbox with them. We have little Madden tournaments amongst us. Or you know, we'll play Super Mario uh, Deluxe or Mario Kart and just have a good time on a Friday or Saturday. Chris, very generous of you to take some time for me and for us today here and be on the show and on the podcast. I'm very grateful. Thanks for being here. Good luck with the conference. We'll be there. Leeds Near Me will be there with our booth. Ready uh, to rock. Great to have you. And, uh, you know, and, and again, I really appreciate you being on the show. Chris, thank you again. Good luck with everything Ratchet and Wrench related. And if I can ever do anything to help, please let me know and uh, have a great day. Awesome. Thanks, Ryan. Have a great one. The tech shortage problem is not going to solve itself. That's why it will take organizations like APAC ATI to emerge with solutions that will bring relief for shop owners. 